welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from ZK Live with Zach Kenny. In this episode, we take a look back in history with the very first episode of ZK Live. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach Kenny from ZK Painting. This is the first episode of ZK Live. This is an experiment. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm here in my shop. It's kind of a mess right now. Uh, we just expanded our shop. So right now I'm looking at half of our stuff over here. We haven't really built it out yet. Uh, I just screwed that sign to the wall just so that we didn't have a, a blank white background. Um, but this is an experiment. Um, I'm excited to see how it goes. We're gonna try to have a bit of a format to this each week, um, where we're gonna start in about a minute. I'm gonna take some questions from somebody. We'll go live with them and bring them on. Um, probably gonna end up having guests each week for about 30 minutes, um, sort of whatever they wanna talk about, their expertise. Um, I wanna have sort of a tips and tricks or, or favorite um, tools or, or paint stuff. And then I wanna have one sec, one um, bit that we always do of sort of war stories from the paint world. Um, I'm gonna share one with you today. That's, uh, it's definitely entertaining. I have a number of friends who continue to poke at me. Um, can you guys all hear me? If you can hear me, say hello. Um, I hope the volume's all right. I'm a little sweaty right now. I barely got back to the shop in time. I was, uh, dropping some stuff off at the shop at a job site and ordered a pizza and of course it took forever so I rushed here screwed a sign up here we go um, so if somebody has a question and wants to go live with me just request it and I think the first person that requests will just take and we'll see how this goes I'm assuming that I'm going to see something pop up here, but I'm not sure. You cannot hear me. All right. This is not, this is kind of not fair, but let's see. This is Dan, our shop, our lead uh, painter in the shop. The sign is backwards uh, to you guys it is because I'm well if you can't read backwards that's on you guys not me what's up Dan what's up Zach how are you hey man I'm doing well welcome to the first episode of ZK live dude I'm excited <laughs> dude tell us tell us a little about yourself man tell, tell us how you got how you got into painting how old were you when you started painting oh man you beat me to it that was gonna be the rest of the segment was gonna be <laughs> my personal story so yeah I, I can go ahead and share that because you are we talk about painting every day so it's kind of I'm sure if you have a question you've asked it oh yeah um, yeah so I started painting when I was about 14 years old um, some sort of punishment my mom uh, I had to paint a picnic table for my mom uh, try to get it done as quickly as possible and somebody saw me painting it um, he came up and said I'm paying paying some kid to paint picnic tables I have a bunch of them it was a housing authority guy. So I painted picnic tables that summer, painted some like rental properties, um, you know, and, and I always liked the instant gratification of it. And then it just sort of evolved from there. Um, and it was a constant in my life where my bosses were telling me that we needed to hurry up. Um, there were just not, wasn't enough budget to make it that nice. Just get the paint on and let's move on. Um, so I sort of, that's kind of how it started. I always had a dream of, doing work um, for clients who had the budgets to make things as nice as I knew they could be if, if we had the time. And little by little, we're building this thing so, you know, we can do that. We can, we can give clients uh, a world-class product when they want it. We also do re standard repaints. You know, it's not like we don't do it, but um, my 
motivator is definitely quality. Um, yeah. Anybody else have <laughs> questions? Do you have another question? Um, I've just been reading some of the other questions coming up there, man. I'm going to hop out of this thing because I don't know if other people can join while I'm on. I don't think they can. So but I don't know. I'll, let you, uh, I'll let you get out there, man. But, yeah, thanks for the info, dude. It's good, good to know. Yeah. Good if to, you guys don't you. follow Dan on Instagram, you should. Um, this guy's putting out lots of good content. They're killing it in the shop. Um, what's my yearly sales? We should do about a million this year. We should, the goal is to go over a million this year. But nothing, who knows what the future is going to look like um, with this whole COVID thing. Um, yeah, you guys should definitely follow Dan on Instagram, though. He's looking to, we, I'm encouraging him to put out more and more content um, as we continue to work hard in the shop. Anybody else want to come on here? Wait, there's stuff down at the bottom. This is going to be a learning experience for me. Oh, here's some questions. Oh, the questions from before. Somehow they're down there. That's awesome. Oh, and here's requests. Wild Acres. Let's see if he can join. I thought you did great with busting my heavy cadence back. I wasn't ready. Hey, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? How are you? Hey, good. Hey, my big question is, how's the new adventure with the cleaning um, services? That is incredibly new. It's it's so new that we have one client. <laughs> man, hey, I, yeah. I thought that was uh, um, I, I think that's a smart decision, you know. I, I think we're uniquely qualified as paint contractors. Um, ZK stands for I'm I'm sorry I have ADD and I just read that ZK stands for Zach Kenny. It's my initials. Had I known seven years ago, I would never have started a company with my initials. Uh, <laughs> I would have called it something cool and but you know intriguing, but. ZK at, least, at least you didn't call it at least you didn't call it wild acres construction <laughs> hey, that's not a bad one <laughs> um, but yeah the, the disinfecting thing we had to start a separate company uh, my insurance company wouldn't um, add it to our policy so yeah, what we were allowed to advertise under the ZK name we just can't do the work under the ZK name so we have a new company and a, a separate insurance policy um, so we just recorded those videos. We're going to start boosting them uh, this weekend and see what we can do as far as sales go. So on, so I was listening to that podcast. You talked about it, uh, whichever one you were on. You're you know, on a bunch of them. And why, what was the deal with, like, how can you guarantee that it's clean? You can't. Or, 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 or you can't, I mean, but I mean, how I, do you I, sell it? How do you sell it? You know what I'm I, trying to say? Like, I mean, I think it's the same way that we sell a paint job, right? Like, we're experts in coatings. We're saying, like, we did everything to the best of our ability to prep, prime, and paint the surface. If some freak thing happened that I'm not in control yeah. of, you know, I'm not, like, staking my life and my freedom on the paint job lasting. And I'm yeah. not doing the same thing with, with this either, Um but we can say that we're taking, we're doing best practice as far as that we, as far as we know it. So no, there sure. is EPA testing that shows that the product kills coronavirus. Yeah. There are recommendations from the company that says the product should stay wet for 10 minutes. So our job is to now apply this product evenly. So, you know, for 10 minutes, it sits there and it does its job. Nice. Um, you know, that was my big question. Like we don't, we don't have like biologists on staff. <laughs> that are doing you know, you, before and after yeah because my thought was you can't guarantee it how do you sell it <laughs> that, but, yeah i mean you just yeah. sell best practice right which right. is sort of what we do always oh okay. there's a bunch of questions down here i'm sorry you want me to jump off let you let you get on sure I'll, I'll just start answering questions that was going to be oh uh, don't leave my face up here knock me off no no all right how do, leave them <laughs> this <laughs> there, is this is all new here. Okay, yeah. Get somebody else up here. I'll X this, yeah. All right, man. Later. Later. All right, so I have uh, so many questions are rolling in, and I can't keep up. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to get better at this. Um, pivot to meet demand, yeah. 
How many painters do you have in the field? So we just hired a new person. So we have six painters in the field. We've lost, I think we've lost two people during this COVID. Not sure. I know Bailey's not going to be coming back. Actually, I haven't heard from Adam. Um, how do you guys have the transition from extreme high gloss to standard repaints? Um, yeah, that's definitely difficult. Um, we, let's see, here's some people requesting to come in. I know this guy. Leave his face. It's connecting. This is Jake. What's up, buddy? How are you doing, Zach? Hangover are videoing while he drives. This man right here. I know. Don't do this. I'm about to pull over, though. Um, so Tim just asked a pretty awesome question about that, about disinfecting. Yeah, I don't want to get into that. I, I will recall, though, a time that I was on the phone with you, and you asked me, what are you doing to bring value to your business? And I think my response was so ignorant because I had never asked myself that question. And my response was, it's so hard for me to see value in what, in what I do and to generalize what we do as painters um, because, you know, we can't guarantee our coding. There we go. You're back. All right. But, but hearing you explain and, and talk about best practices, like that's, that's all we can do, right, as painters. And, I mean, I, I love your sign up there, too, using the best paints that we can that are available to us. That's, that's all it's about. But I've got a question for you. When it comes to best, what's your, and it might not be, what you think is the best, what you would sell to people is the best, but what's your favorite coating to put on? And I don't want a brand. I want like product. Oh, so that's, oil the, everyone's just beating me to all my punches. So one of the bits that we're going to have on this show each week is that when I have a guest on, I'm going to ask them to bring their favorite paint or, or paint piece of paraphernalia, if you will. So I have brought my favorite paint. Uh, this is an empty, what is this, a one liter? Of Holland Lac, brilliant. Uh, I would actually probably say Holland Lac satin, but the Holland Lac line—they have Holland, they have satin, they have eggshell, and they have brilliant. Um, this paint right here uh, changed my life. I can honestly say that when I fought, found this paint, um, and I met the people who use it, it completely changed the trajectory of my business and my life, and it's amazing. So I love Holland Lac. I love oil enamel. When oil enamel is dry and it feels so amazing to the touch, it looks, the depth of color is unbelievable. The durability is there. Um, this paint is high octane paint. It, it's like a Porsche engine. You can get a lot out of it um, if you tune it up and, you, and you, you maximize everything. It also is really difficult to work with, has a very thin margin of error, um, similar to a high performance engine. Um, one guest per minute. I like that. He just go, he did the Irish goodbye. Um, oh, let's go. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's tough to get in Australia. Ironically, someone reached out. You can't get it in uh, the UK, which is Europe. So that's kind of funny. It comes from Holland. Um, Fine Paints of Europe is an importer of paint from Holland. Their headquarters in, uh, is in Vermont. I would encourage you all, if you're interested, to call Emmett at Fine Paints of Europe. It's called Holland Lac, Holland Lac, L-A-C. Um, this is premium stuff. It, it's, it's, it ends up being about $200 a gallon. Um, you buy it in a three-quarter, it's, it's a 2.5-liter container. We call them Euro gallons, but it's, uh, oh, here we go. You don't need to hear me talk about Hallmark. The right painter. Yeah, so it it comes, it's about $140, $150 for three quarters of a gallon. Uh, it goes a long way, though. Am I locked up? What's up, buddy? I can hear hey, you. Hey, Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I've been having issues with my phone going live with people. I don't know why that is, but can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Okay. No, I just, uh, man, I just want to say, first off, man, much respect. You, I love your work. Uh, I love what you do. 
Um, you guys kill it, man. One of my favorite uh, painters to watch on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to kick on, but I, you know, I, I do a lot of high-end work, and I know you do too, uh, but I also get a lot of calls for, like, looky-loos. How do you go about not getting those? And uh, I find, like, I, I go and I just give them a high price, and uh, they don't like it, they don't like it, and then we – because we, we get filled up. I think we lost him. But to his question, yes, uh, I think that's a, that's a big thing that we've – I've dealt with for a long time. Um, honestly, I, I've got, there's a number of things that we do to try to limit that. Um, we're having, like everyone, I'm having a website redesigned because I don't like the, the one I have now. But the one when we built the one I have now, it was with the goal of trying to make it clear the type of work that we work on and hopefully weed out some people um, who wouldn't be our ideal client. Um, we're always thinking about our ideal client. I have this like picture in my head of this like group of people and that's all we're trying to do is serve that group of people. And if you're just on the periphery of that group, we're really not thinking about you. And, and I would encourage you to find someone that is thinking about you all the time. Um, but to answer your question, when people call, I'm generally doing everything in my power to not go out and see the job. I, I'm trying to understand from them what are they looking for? Are you first thing is are you making your decision based off of price? If you're making your decision based off of price, we're not going to be price competitive. So I think we need to talk. To, you should talk to somebody else. Um, you know, and, and trying to understand is this a rental property? Are you looking to sell this house? You know, we don't. I don't think I've ever painted a house before it was going to sell because they don't care if the paint comes off the day after they sell it. Uh, just different expectations. I always tell people when you buy the your new house that's when you should call us. We're perfect for that. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely always trying to find a way to qualify my client, my potential clients. Um, because yeah, time, like I don't have a lot of time. Nobody has a lot of time. Um, we have a pretty wide area of service. I mean, we have a very wide area of service. We work from Boston to Westerly. So generally we're trying to not get, go up and look at the job, which is, you know, a blessing that we have the ability to do that because I've stayed small. Um, I've not grown with demand. I've tried to keep demand increasing while trying to keep supply fairly like stagnant. That helps you increase your price. That helps you not have to go look at all the jobs. And I'm really grateful for our clients today. They're, they're amazing. And every job ends up being like better and better clients because I get to say no. And yeah, a lot of times I get to say no by giving high budgets over the phone and trying to scare them, if you know, in a way. Like, hey, I don't know, like, because we all know there's lots of painters who will say, I'll give you a high-end job. But if you don't do what we do every single day, I would argue you can't do, well, you can't provide the product that we can provide. Um, and so a lot of people will hear, oh, you know, yeah, okay. Or, or you'll get the guys who, like, they just want to see what your price is. Um, it's not scrolling with people. Um, but yeah, so I'm really trying to like figure out, I have a pretty good idea now of who our ideal client is. Um, and you know, they talk about like making up an avatar and, and like literally giving them a name, a, an occupation, an address, a salary, all those things to like help you focus in on who your ideal client is. Um, but I think it, a lot of this comes back to competitive advantage. And that's a book I've talked about a lot. There's a book called Understanding Michael Porter. Um, it's a book that I wish I could, I wish I understood it better. It's, it's a fairly complex um, book. And it's a book that breaks down another guy's like life's work or, or a part of his work. Um, but the idea of competitive advantage is something that I'm always trying to inject into this company so that, everything we do is designed to serve somebody perfectly. And it's, it's really hard to come in and compete with that. If you don't do it like the, the way we do every day, we have efficiencies built into the company that gives us a competitive advantage. Uh, someone else is requesting. I don't know this person. Let me answer this question here. How do you find guys who can perform on a level that's expected? Example, watch your own film. I mean, yeah, you have to, it, we hire for character way before skill. Um, 
you know, we're looking for people. I'll, I'll bring you on in a minute. Actually, why not? You don't need to hear from me. I don't know who this person is. So this should be interesting. Please don't be a troll. Oh, I'm not sure it's try again. Yeah. So when we're hiring people, it's, I have a list right now of about six um, young people who are going to make amazing apprentices and we're probably going to bring on one or two of them. Um, I've sort of, I've figured out a way to find those people. Uh, and then when we interview them, you can figure it out, but it's finding the high skill guys that, you know, you, it's, it's kind of like hitting the lottery. I mean, I hit the lottery with Arturo and I hit the lottery with Phil, you know, you, I don't know that there's a way to reproduce that. If I was, if there's a way to reproduce finding those kind of guys, I would, I think it's, there's a way to determine if they're, if they are that kind of person in a job interview or a series of job interviews. Um, we're looking for what motivates people. Uh, we want, we want, I need internally motivated people in my company because I'm, I'm a big softy. I'm too nice. If anything, I'm not going to crack a whip. I'm not going to make people hurry up, you know, like just get it done. Like, that's not me. I need people who want to work really hard so they can go home at night and feel really good about what they did. Um, and that, I mean, it takes like, it's like the, the, you got to take, you got to take a lot of punches, take a lot of pitches to, before you can hit one. You know, I probably interviewed, I've interviewed a lot of people. I've looked at a lot of resumes. I think I just deleted like 60 of them last night going through and picked like four to reach back out to. It's sort of a numbers game too. Where do you look first when starting to hire new guys? Um, we use Indeed. Um, I, a lot, I, Nick Slavic is a guy, many of you may know, he's a very intelligent man. And I love a lot of his ideas. And I sort of took parts of what he was talking about and, and the way he hires. And we wrote an ad that was, and then there's a the famous, um, Explorer guy, I forget his name. He wrote an ad, whatever, that's a bad example. Um, Ernest Shackleton, and he wrote that ad to get people, and it had nothing to do with what you're actually gonna be doing on this expedition, but it had to do with what type of person are you? So when I wrote my ad, it has a lot to do with what type of person are you, what motivates you, um, skills we can teach them. Um, but I can't teach, you know, you can't teach passion, you can't teach, attention to detail uh, and, and being internally motivated. Yeah, so Arturo is came to, when I first met Arturo, I was going, I was interviewing and, and giving lots of people chances. And Arturo is one of these, uh, he's just a savant when it comes to working with his hands. Um, and, you know, those kinds of people that you just, they're tough to find. But when you find them, they're pretty obvious. The difference between brushing putty and Swedish putty. Um, Swedish putty, they're not like, it's not, one's not like a thinned down version of the other. Brushing putty is essentially very thick oil primer. These are both fine paints of Europe uh, products. Uh, they come from, from Holland as well. Brushing putty is like really thick oil primer. Um, and Swedish putty is like, um, is more like a filler, a true filler. Um, like a, you know, you trowel it on. Um, great. Yeah, Ernest Shackleton and yeah, it's, it's a famous thing. You can look it up. I can't, I kind of, I'm sure I butchered the idea, but Swedish putty is, it's like, I think it's like glass beads. Uh, it's something like that. It's like, it's a, a mineral or a rock of some sort ground up really fine. So it doesn't shrink very much. Um, and it fills really well, but it, you know, it's a, it's not an easy product to work with. Uh, we've had, there's just a very steep learning curve to using it. Um, you can have many, many hours of sanding if you mess it up. Um, I had one instance where I bought a brand new, I would recommend never buying the small containers of uh, Swedish putty. Um, the, you want to keep it wet at all times and you never want to put any Swedish putty back into your container because one little tiny dried chunk can really cause a lot of damage or maybe not one, but 
you know, a, a handful of them, when you go to trowel and make something super smooth, with your, and it's a very tight skim and you have little dots in it, it just makes lines in your putty as, you, as you're moving. Um, so we always buy the big containers and we make sure to always put lots of penetrol or linseed oil over the top to keep it wet. Um, I think I'm probably losing people. I need more, I need more questions. Oh, I have these questions down here. Oil versus waterborne paints on exteriors. All right, let's go. Um, so definitely at this point in time, um, water-based paints on the exterior are superior most of the time. Um, a water-based paint that our go-to is Fine Paints of Europe Eco. It's an alkyd acrylic, but it's going to be slightly more flexible than an oil enamel. And wood is going to be more, is going to expand and contract more on the outside of a house. So we do all of our gloss doors in Hollenlack oil because we're able to manipulate the paint in a way to get that perfect, perfect mirror finish much more predictably than if I were to use the alkyd acrylic eco brilliant. There are guys who can apply eco brilliant very close to the level that we can apply Hollenlack. We're not there. And we really haven't done the IRD to get there. It's really a temperamental product. Um, Hollenlack, you can, we have that down and we can, so for front doors, we're using oil. But if you're gonna paint the outside of a house, generally water-based is the way you wanna go. It's gonna be more flexible over time. Uh, how do you become Fine Paints of Europe certified? So if you go on their website, there is a, there's a form about it, there's some information, but jet ex I really what you need to do is use the paint. Whoever you're buying your paint from will then nominate you. Um, it took me a few years of being nom of using it and my, my um, paint dealer nominated me a couple years in a row. Um, and then the, they'll nominate you, find paint will vet you, they'll, they'll find out what you're all about, and then uh, they'll invite you up. Um, it's a really awesome experience. It changed my life, for sure. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Anything coding? Oh. Favorite type of paint, we covered that. Um, Oh, a walkthrough of an exterior door. We'll probably do more on that. But uh, so if you follow some of our posts, uh, generally we ask that our exterior doors come to us bare wood. That's not always possible. But if possible, we want them to come bare wood. Uh, that way we control the process from the very beginning. So we're going to start with a wood preservative. Um, it's going to penetrate into the wood. And when it dries, you won't be able to tell it's there. But the wood will repel water. So now we don't have to worry about, we've treated the wood at its core. We didn't just put a shell on it. So now that's sort of like an insurance policy against water, any water getting in or anything like that, because we generally don't want to caulk the panels on our exterior doors. Then we're going to bring, then we're going to generally fill the grain with multiple coats of primer, finest paint of Europe, and we can't get it in the UK. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. I'm sure you can get versions of it though. It's, it's imported from another manufacturer. So I think Sickens makes really high quality paint in Europe. Um, I think it's called um, Visignol, W, some crazy name. Visignol is, is actually the paint. Would you still do gloss work if it paid flat rates? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so our door process, primer, we like to build our, our coats of primer. Um, I'm in, a, I'm in a shop, we have a booth. We can very quickly set up, spray a coat of paint and clean up very quickly. Um, so we're able to put lots of coats of primer on um, and then we're able to then sand that surface down, get rid of the wood grain. I'm sure some of you have seen our, the beautiful two-tone crazy looking like faux finish stuff when you use multiple coats, um, multiple colors of primer, which we like to do. We have to put our first coat of primer on and then paint different paint colors over the top so as we sand our primer later we know if we see that first color to stop so we don't go into bare wood and then we play this game of like adding so we, we have this like mountainous if you looked at a, at a door a piece of wood is a mountainous up and down you know peaks and valleys and we're going to fill the bottom the valleys with paint and we're going to knock down the tops so we're going to fill the valleys with paint knock down the tops and keep doing that until we have this like truly 
flat surface. Uh, once we have that surface flat, then generally we're going to use two coats of top coat. Um, it's generally all you really need. Um, paint brushes, Corona versus Purdy. Oh, Corona all day. I'm a diehard Corona fan. I've loved Coronas from the first time I ever touched one. They changed my life. I think if you've ever brushed with the Corona Chinex on an exterior, um, I mean, that, what an, ex I love that. What an experience. Like, you know, a Corona three inch Chinex holds paint and flows it out. And it's, and it's, you know, it's strong enough to be able to work in the paint in the little areas that aren't perfectly smooth. And so for Corona Chinex, um, I just don't think Purdy brushes are, are nearly as good anymore. If you hold up a, a Purdy and a Corona next to each other, I generally, it's, it's been a while, but you can see the difference. The one just has way more bristles. It's going to hold a lot more paint. Um, and that's what the idea is, is we're trying to get paint on walls as fast as possible. Um, so I don't want to have to dip too much. Uh, Merca and Festool. Uh, so I think they both have their, their places where they're good. Um, we have, I would say that the Merca sander is, it's tough to beat the Merca sander for detailed sanding. Um, it's just an amazing machine. It's quiet, super precise, um, but it has a paddle to turn it on and off. And if you're going to sand walls for eight hours straight, it's nice to be able to like change how you're holding that sander with different fingers and different palms and whatever, and not have to be having your palm on the top of that sander. So if you're sanding all day or a lot more rough for sanding, I think the, the Festool, the switch on the Festool, you turn it on and you hold it and you move it. There's a big advantage to that. Um, but if I'm going to sand, a gloss door before final coat, I'm probably going to reach for a Merca over a Festool. Um, and the vacuums, I think, Festool all day. There, there's not, I don't think that's even a discussion. Sorry, Merca. Sherwin-Williams or Ben Moore? Uh, what's up with that sink sample? Sherwin-Williams or Ben Moore? I have always said, I, I don't think that you can, like, look at them and go, like, one is better than the other. Um, my entire career, I was never, I didn't want to be a Sherwin-Williams guy. Uh, and I know there's advantages to that as business owners where you get better pricing if you buy all your paint from someplace. But I was always looking at what's the best paint. And when you're looking at the best paint or there's different parameters depending on what the job is, right? So certain jobs, dry time is very, is a big idea. What good do you shave with? Jack, Jack's always good for an awesome joke. If you don't follow Jack Andrews painting, that guy is one of the best painters in the country, an absolute scientist of the game, uh, putting out incredibly amazing work. Um, but Sherwin-Williams and Benjamin Moore, I think they both have products that are, are good. Um, you know, Advance is an amazing paint. We, we just, we're just using some Scuff-X right now, and, and it's very impressive. Um, you know, I was not a fan of Pro Classic. I, I tried Pro Classic a number of times. Um, I like their output acrylic better than the, the straight water-based um, acrylic Pro Classic. Um, but I just, I know it drives faster. So if you have a one-day job, I'm not going to use Advance on the trim on a one-day job if I'm going to put two coats on the trim. Like, it's just not, the dry times don't work. Um, but if I have a larger project, I'm going to use Advance versus so I, I think understanding the parameters and understanding the coatings systems and the coatings from that each manufacturer makes and the pluses and minuses, it takes a ton of work. So I understand if people don't want to do that, because if you go talk to your paint rep, good luck getting straight answers about anything. They are salespeople and they know subjective things to tell you. And when things don't go well, Paint reps are generally not awesome unless you're buying a ton of paint. They're not awesome at standing behind their products. I'm sure you've all experienced that. So really as the paint contractor, it's on me to understand the chemistry. Like why am I putting this coating here and, and how? And knowing it more than just like, oh, the person at Sherwin-Williams told me I could do this. I thought I've, had, I've been burned by that. I thought if somebody, if the paint store told me that I can do it, and then as you learn more and more about coatings, you start to go, oh, man, maybe they don't know so much. And they're 
they're not pay professional painters. Like my job is to know coatings uh, or, or at least have a couple people where you can like really uh, talk to Thanks that social media, I've been able to meet um, some awesome reps from awesome paint companies. Um, Jay Woodslack on here someplace. I just saw him earlier. Uh, super knowledgeable people. Uh, but like the average paint rep doesn't have tons and tons of experience. So I think it's kind of on us to know the different ones. Um, someone just requested to be on here. Let's see. Optimus Painting. Great name. Hello, mate. What's up, buddy? All the best from UK. Um, I have a question to you. Um, how you compare the painting business, say, compared to the last 15 years? Because I lived in the UK for over, like, 15 years now. And most of our competitors, I'm talking about high-end jobs, um, you know, the sprains much is not very popular here because um, people usually stick to um, traditional way, which is brush and roller, you know, and um, that's where the problem is because um, people doesn't want to invest the money. As I was saying, even like industrial tractors, you know, uh, talking about Merca, Festool, to... Um, the problem we've got, uh, especially high-end uh, companies, is like um, people, the customers, doesn't used to it to a good product. They're used to it to how it was 10, 15 years ago. They think someone is just walking in with a couple of brushes, a couple of rollers, you know, and that's it. They think that's the way it should be. But um, we, you know, we try to change as a few really good companies uh, who's doing like proper job. I think like for many, many, like even for myself, um, just follow like your page on the Instagram, your account is for, for all of us. It's like um, all of us is, is brilliant because we can learn quite a lot. We can literally see the way you're doing it, the way you're doing in, like in the US as well, the product, because most of the products we use in here as well, is like Benjamin Moore, um, it's Sharon Williams as well. So I just want to know in your personal thing, how you compare the last 10 or 15 years, how the business changed? I mean, yeah. So I think I'm going to exit you out of here. No, yep. you say what? I don't really know what we're doing. Um, I, I, someone asked me this question earlier to talk about niching down in, in niche markets. And so I, when I first started, seven, eight years ago, I had a paintbrush, I had a little giant ladder, and I had a, uh, a Ford Taurus and, and no money. And so I was like, hey, you're going to pay me $15 an hour to paint anything? Like, I would gladly do that. Um, and then it was like little by little, you know, trying to like do this thing as a real company. And you find that the, a lot of people were very price sensitive. And, it, you know, I was the new guy. The only reason you ever hire a new guy that's unknown is because he's cheap. That's just the facts. You know, my clients will never go hire somebody that's half my price, no matter what he says, because they're just not looking to take risks. You know, they want something that's guaranteed. So I think there's, I've, I looked at all that price sensitivity that I was getting. Um, I, I remember when I, I had, the, the best job I had done to date wasn't actually a, a pro classic Alcott acrylic job. I actually posted about it. Um, I may have posted about it. It, it was this amazing trim job. We did it absolutely perfectly. Um, lost my shirt on it because I just obsessed over the quality and, and I mean, the hours were a joke, but I was trying to sell those more and more. And I was running into the issue of like, well, I'm using the same paint that the other guy's using. I'm saying I'm going to use one more coat of, of primer and I'm going to do like, one extra like go through on filling and caulking and to make things more perfect. But on a piece of paper, when you see my bid at 20,000, the other guy's bid at 10,000, pretty much they're the same. So I think that the way I chose to fight that pressure to be cheaper was to stop playing that game and go, well, well I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to use high quality products. I'm going to provide high quality service and I'm only going to do this. And, you know, barely made it through the winter the first year when I said I'm done and I'm only using five paints of Europe. Like barely made it through. Thank God I was not married and I didn't have any kids and I didn't need any money. And 
you know, so I get like not everybody has the ability to do that. But the when you start to niche down and just pick, so, so you're going to be a production painter, like just do that and obsess on that. And you can provide value to your clients when you have a very clear focus on what makes you special. And to the point where like every day it's like, how do I, what other things can I do? What things do I take for granted as this is just the way they do them in the business that I could maybe do slightly differently to better serve my ideal client. So I think our business, like many can be painting can be commoditized. That idea that a grain of rice is a grain of rice is a grain of rice. So who has the cheapest grain of rice today? And that's the one I'm going to buy. I was like, I don't want to be, I'm not just, I'm not like that other grain of rice. First of all, like I knew my grain of rice was different and, and better. But if the packaging is exactly the same and the only way, you know, the rice is better is when you taste it later. But at that point it's too late. You know, they've already bought it way in advance. So I realized like there's a lot of, of um, pressure, price pressure on people to meet price points. And so, you know, A, I would encourage you to stay small and increase the demand for your services so you can say no to all those people. That's, that's the first thing is like, you have to have a lot. Of, anyone who says, oh, I'm so busy. I use the guy. I was that guy. It was like, I'm referrals only. I don't need any marketing. Like blah, 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 blah. It's all BS. Like, let me tell you. And John, I'll do the judge here. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, it's all, marketing is so important. And I, I was very against it for a long time. But when you can, there's a simple economics equation. When you increase demand and you keep supply the same, price goes up, right? More people want your services. You only have so many of those services. The people who will pay the most get your services. The other people will go away. So by continuing to market and build demand for your services, you can say no to people who maybe are grinding you down. So. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of pressure um, on people price-wise. But, you know, there's things you can do to separate yourself and sort of, you know, be different. Um, you know, that's – I could go on and on, and, and I probably have gone on too long. But that's that's sort of my whole perspective on it is, is try to be perfect for your ideal client and – forget about everybody else. And then every day think about how can I be better? How can I better serve that person? Which in my case is difficult. Like I can't afford a $6,000 paint job on a front door. I don't have a front door that warrants it. And I'll ne probably never. So, but that's what my clients want. So how do I get in the head of somebody who has the money to pay three to $6,000 to have their front door painted? You know, you have to get outside of yourself and, and put your mind and put yourself into the mind of whoever your ideal client is. Ask them what, what matters to you. Um, you know, a lot of it is just from making mistakes. I've made tons and tons of mistakes in my career and lost amazing clients because I just did something wrong or, or you know, for so long I was obsessed with just amazing work. Look at how beautiful that piece of trim is. Okay, I was there till 9.30 at night every day and on Saturday and I made a mess and I was loud or what, like whatever it was like, but the paint job is beautiful. Well, guess what? People want to have a positive experience way more than they want to have a beautiful paint job. The beautiful paint job is sort of subjective. It's like when the sommelier comes and he tells you all about the wine and oh my God, the same $20 bottle of wine will taste so much better if somebody tells you this beautiful story about it. Well, I think the same thing is true for painting. When you have an amazing client experience, the paint job looks better. It's, it's just how humans are. We're not rational creatures. And I've, I've had a tendency to be very idealistic about painting, about life, about business. And I don't think as an adult who owns a business, I'm allowed to be idealistic. It's not fair to my clients. It's not fair to my employees. Um, idealism is for children or non-business owners. And maybe it's not convinced me that I'm wrong. But when I'm able to like step back from like my ego and which I have to fight all the time and go, what does this client want? It's like, oh, they want a really positive experience. Wow. 
You know, they want communication regularly. They don't have to be wondering when's the guy showing up? When's what's the job doing? Right now, I thought for a long time, none of those things mattered. They hired me to paint. Um, and as soon as I was able to realize there's that was not true, um, I've been able to find some success and I continue to try to serve their needs better. We have new questions coming in. Oh, this is a good one. What's your mindset on big expenses such as a work shed? I think we, like, we call a shop. I would, I would love one, but the cost at these times is a bit scary. All right. So again, like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm really comfortable with, um, risk. I started a company and I don't, I don't have a lot to lose. Like if I go bankrupt tomorrow, like I'll figure it out. We'll start over. I don't have a family yet. I have a wife. Um, but I, I bought the booth and had no work to put in it. And the booth kind of set, it's a $30,000 investment. I, you know, I paid half it down. I took a loan for the rest and I didn't have any work to fill this booth. <laughs> like it was insane, but it was that it was part of my model, my competitive advantage. One of the things was I can now spray things off of site in a professional booth. This will give me competitive advantage against everybody else. And so it was like, if you build it, they will come. So I think I did it with like an educated, like, if I do this, it, it's a, this is a gamble, but it's a calculated risk that should pay off. Uh, I looked at it. I was like, okay, you know, what, how much revenue do I need to create to like make this happen? Um, and I was able to like, I saw it, you know, did I sit down with spreadsheets and make decisions? I wish I was that guy. I'm not that guy. I just was like, I have confidence in myself. I have confidence in where we're going and I'm going to take a big risk. And because it, because of X, Y, and Z, because I think it's going to lead to something, not just because I want it, you know, but I think I can build something around it and I think it will make me special. Um, so we're continuing to do that. All right. So it's like 645 now competitive advantage, understanding Michael Porter. I encourage you all to read it. Uh, a woman wrote it. I forget her name. Uh, I've read it a few times. I will continue to read it because it's dense and it's a lot for me to understand. But that idea of in, in a, pretend you were doing 40 million a year and other guys doing 40 million a year. Like what makes your, in your model, what makes you different and have a true competitive advantage that might get you 10% or 3% better profit at the end of the year. Um, all, if you build it, Phil will come. Exactly. You know, I'm a big advocate of, of that. Um, regards from Portugal. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. So now at the end of every episode, we're going to do uh, war stories. So I have a story that I'm going to tell you about probably one of the funnier mistakes that I've made uh, in the painting business. Uh, and we're going to ask that all of you guys will uh, write in or contact me with your stories and we'll pick stories um, each week and we'll have somebody's like, you know, war story from the painting business. Um, in this case, my war story is the time that I painted the wrong house. Um, it, it really happened. So my dad had a painting company for a little bit. Um, he taught me everything not to do in the painting business. And I was very grateful to watch what he did and work with him because he was not very good at it. We did really good work. He didn't charge any money. Um, he was kind of a mess and we learned as we went, but it was back in the days of MapQuest. So one morning my dad prints off a MapQuest, um, piece of paper with all like the steps to it. And we, and he shows me a picture of the ugliest house you've ever seen in your life. It, it was, I mean, it's unbelievable. I wish I could find, I'm sure I could drive by and take a picture. I'll post it actually later this week. The house had shingles all the way down. Like the, sh the roof came like curved down and came all the way down to the ground and three feet off the ground, there was shingled this dark red asphalt shingle all the way to the ground with just some like little windows cut out. It was hideous. So, I saw that picture and I started down, you know, that morning, it was very, you know, it made an impression. And then we started driving and I was following the map quest directions. And when you get to like this, the next one, you, you just, so there was like one line left on the map quest directions. And I see what I think is the house. Uh, Cause I've never seen a house like that before. 
we get out. It was a rental property, so no one we didn't talk to anybody. And we got out and we painted the trim. It was like a three-day job. We painted the trim white. And uh, a couple weeks later, a week later, my dad is like, hey, I thought you painted that house. Like, what's going on? The client just called and said, you didn't, you didn't paint his house. I'm like, insisting, like, we painted that house. So it was a 4th of July. I'll never forget. And he's like, let's go look at it then. And I'm like, yeah, let's go look at it. So we drove out. We stopped at the house and it's like clearly not painted. And I'm like, or I can't remember how it went. We drove by the other one. One way or the other, we figured out the house I had painted was the house like four, two or three streets down on the corner, same spot. Um, so that's my how I painted the wrong um, house story. I would encourage all of you guys to send in your stories. Um, Thanks, dude. Issue with payment because my clients pay the deposit like fifty percent. The other balance, it's a struggle to get it, and you have already painted the site. What do you do? Um, I would say that you. I, I have some buddies who work for like billionaires, and and they'll tell you like doesn't matter what the contract says. Um, if the billionaire doesn't want to pay you, they're not going to pay you. Um, I kind of look at it like that. Like, I I want to make these people so happy at the end of the thing that they're looking to give me a check. So I, I think a lot of this probably comes down to either not vetting your client well enough in the beginning, or you didn't wow this client in a way that they want to continue a relationship with you for the next paint job. Because at the end of the day, it's like musical chairs. If they want to just like pull out a chair on you, you know, I've had a couple people do it. It's been a while, but like, for the most part, what are you going to do? Uh, you're going to go to court, go to court for, you know, you can do all that. You can find someone in collections to take half the money, but I find it's a better strategy to try to impress the people so much with the quality of work, but mostly the customer experience in a way that they like, they would never want to not pay you. Um, it's a kind of a bad answer to that question, but that's the sort of the defense that I, the approach that I take, my contracts are, I'm actually have to get a contract right now. I don't really have formal contract. They sign estimates. It's really, you know, it, it could be better. Um, but we try to wow them in a way that we're building a relationship so that you wouldn't want to screw us over. Um, that's kind of my answer to that. Um, thanks a lot, everybody for joining in. Uh, guy pressure washed the wrong house. See, I'm not alone. Um, yeah, so please like and share this thing. Um, next week, I'm going to have a guest on. I'm not sure who yet, um, but this has been a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to doing this every week. It's quarantine time. We may do it twice a week for a while um, and, and get more people on here, more perspectives. Um, yeah, so thanks for coming, guys. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.